You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host as always, Stephen Carr. It is NBA Draft Week, and as a reminder, the Locked On Network has you covered. NBA Draft GOAT Chad Ford, Locked On NBA Draft hosts Rafael Barlow and John Corrales will be live this year covering the NBA Draft. It's the Locked On NBA Draft 2021 brought to you by Built Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick. Follow Locked On NBA on YouTube today and watch our live coverage July 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Today is Monday, July 26th, and we are back to five days a week. And this is the perfect week to do it because we've got the Olympics going on. We've got the NBA draft, like I said, this Thursday, and we're slowly starting some of our preseason content. So for those of you who are new or you're just returning after a little while off, welcome. Picked a good time to start listening. And for the several hundred of you who have continued to listen daily during this offseason, I truly, truly appreciate the loyalty. And for whatever it's worth, we just won podcast of the week across the entire Locked On Network. So big thank you to all of you for listening. If I didn't think it was worth it to come up with creative content for you on a daily basis, I wouldn't do it anymore. So let's talk about this week. As I mentioned on Friday, we are starting a new series today called The Path to Playing Time, where we choose one player each day from the men's or women's team, and we talk about what they can do to improve their status in the rotation. So like I said, we're going to do this for both the men and the women's Gonzaga basketball teams. And today, we're going to start with Rashir Bolton. So we're going to get to that later in the show today. It's also NBA Draft Week, and the draft is Thursday night. Gonzaga's got four players, and we should have their names called. So each of the next four days, we are going to give one final preview of each of those prospects, starting today with Joel Yai. So Monday through Thursday this week, we're doing one NBA Draft prospect and one Gonzaga player's path to playing time. And then on Friday, it is going to be a full recap of the NBA draft with a breakdown of where each player goes and their fit with those teams. Sound good? All right, here we go. Before we get to Joel Yai and Rashir Bolton, as we always do, some news and notes from around the weekend. The Olympics have started, so let's talk about Ira Brown and Rui Hachimura. And let's start with Ira because he and Japan have started their three-on-three tournament, and they've already played six games. By the time you're listening to this, they will have played their sixth. Right now, as I'm talking to you, they've only played five. They're one and four, um, and they're tied with Russia and China, who both each have one win. And the three of those uh, countries are fighting for probably that last spot. The top six countries move on to bracket play. Uh, and so Russia's got one win, Japan's got one win, China's got one win. And Japan happens to play in their final two games, Russia and China. So if they win those two games, they're going to be in bracket play, which starts later this week. So I'll update you again tomorrow on how Japan is faring in those two games. But uh, Japan needs probably two wins to make it to bracket play. Ira Brown has been playing. Uh, it's been interesting to watch the three-on-three tournament. It's, uh, you know, at the second game of the day normally is just a bunch of gassed players. It's not the highest quality of basketball, but it is really cool to see Ira Brown out there competing at the age of 38. On the five-on-five side, Rui Hachimura, by the time you're listening to this, will probably have already played his first game of the Olympics. They play at 5 a.m. this morning, 5 a.m. Monday morning Pacific time, and they're taking on Spain. 
I can't imagine they're going to beat Spain. Spain is one of the better teams uh, in this tournament, but you never know. So we'll see what Rui Hachimura does again tomorrow on the show. There'll be a, a bigger recap of both Rui and Ira Brown, considering they're both playing overnight, and I'm taping this late Sunday. One other thing I want to mention is that the basketball tournament that's been going on, Josh Perkins was supposed to play in it on Sunday uh, for the Jimmy V team. And it was announced late last week that Josh Perkins was being replaced on the team. There's no word as to why. It could be because he just signed with a new team, I believe, and I ran. Um, so that could have been the reason. But Josh Perkins did not play for the Jimmy V team. And so it's two years in a row he was scheduled to play in the basketball tournament, the winner-take-all 64-team bracket. But neither of those two seasons, last summer and this summer, neither of those two years did he end up playing. And then one last piece of news that I want to talk about is this was the last real week of big AAU tournaments across the country. So Gonzaga was out recruiting, you know, all the usual 2022 suspects that we've been talking about, AJ Casey, Anthony Black, Isaac Trout, et cetera, et cetera. But there was a new... 2023 target that came out on Sunday and his name is Jackson Shellstad and he's a 6'1 guard out of Oregon and he's picked up offers over the last few months after his recruiting has kind of exploded from Oregon, Oregon State, Kansas, Houston, Washington, Texas Tech, among some other schools. He averaged 31 points a game this past season in high school, along with five and a half assists. Uh, he played really well in the Peach Jam, apparently scored close to 20 points a game. And so he had an interview with Stock Risers, and he uh, he was asked which schools are heavily involved in his recruitment, and he named Oregon, Gonzaga, Arizona, Oregon State, UCLA, and Houston. And uh, he, they were asked, you know, how's your relationship with Gonzaga? He says, Gonzaga reaches out to me every day. I built a relationship with them. They think I could fit their style of play with the way I push the ball, find my teammates, and they like how I can shoot the three ball well. So there's another name for you guys to watch in the 2023 class. His name is Jackson Shellstad. He's currently unranked uh, on 247 Sports, but considering how well he's played over the last couple of months, I imagine in their next update, he should be shooting up all of those recruiting boards. Okay, coming up, we are talking about Joel Ayayi. One final breakdown of his NBA draft hopes, his strengths, his weaknesses, and potential landing spots. Before we get there, today's episode and the live NBA draft show coming up on Thursday, both sponsored by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. It's the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate in all bars. Some of the flavors they've got going on right now, coconut, mint brownie, salted caramel, cookies and cream, strawberry. If you want any of those, feel free. If you're not sure what you want, get a mixed box with multiple flavors. All of them are soft, easy to chew, and absolutely delicious. Not only do they taste great, but they're healthy too. They're great for the health conscious guy and also for anyone looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Most Built Bars have 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Okay, Joel Ayayi measures at 6 foot 5, 180 pounds, which is what I also measure at. Except one of us is preparing for an NBA career, and the other one of us peaked in high school, and now hosts a podcast. So let's talk about the NBA prospect, shall we? Joel Ayayi arrived in Spokane months after their first national championship appearance in 2017, and he came in as a 17-year-old, 160-pound, soaking wet, super raw uh, kid from France who redshirted immediately because he had to. A year later, 
He was still a super skinny, raw player who was a backup to Greg Foster. And as the story goes, Mark Few basically said at that point, he didn't think Ayayi would ever really play meaningful minutes in his Gonzaga career. But then the entire 2019 roster left. Josh Perkins graduated, Zach Norvell left early, Gino Crandall left after a year, and then Greg Foster transferred, and Brock Reve left school before his freshman season. So Mark Few and his staff didn't really have much of a choice but to play Joel Ayayi. And to his credit, Joel Ayayi made Mark Few and his staff look very, very smart because of his development. He became a reliable playmaker on that 2020 team, a ferocious rebounder, a double-figure scorer, and he provided some clutch moments, especially in road wins over uh, Arizona and Washington. He had two, I think he just hit two huge threes at the end of that game against Washington to seal that victory. And then he was also named WCC Tournament MVP right before the pandemic hit. He averaged more rebounds in 2020 than any Gonzaga guard in school history, beating Nigel Williams-Goss's record from 2017. And then the season later, he broke his own record. His past season, he averaged 6.9 rebounds to go along with his 12 points, 2.7 assists. He shot 57.5% from the field. He shot 39% from deep. Obviously, he recorded the first triple-double in school history. He has a case, in my mind, for the most improved player in a career in Gonzaga history. I don't think you can name more than two or three guys who improved more in a four-year career than Joel Iai. And now, after that improvement, he's a borderline first-round draft pick. How crazy is that? He went from backing up Greg Foster to being a borderline first-round draft pick in the matter of about three years. So let's break down his game a little bit, starting with his strengths. He rebounds the ball as well as anyone in this draft. I mean, like, legitimately, he is one of the best, probably four or five rebounders in this entire class, and he does it as a guard. He's versatile enough where he can play a couple different spots on the perimeter, though I don't think he's ever really going to be a true point guard. He's more of a secondary ball handler than anything. He was essentially off the ball at Gonzaga exclusively, but he did excel in that spot. His IQ is at an elite level. He knows how to work angles. He knows how to get to open spots, particularly cutting on the baseline. But he is also effective when he gets the ball in his hands because he's incredibly patient in ball screens. Oftentimes he's waiting until, you know, that second defender kind of commits before he makes the correct pass and he rarely turns the ball over. Solid passer, doesn't turn the ball over much, dramatically improved as a shooter as well. He shot nearly 40% in his final season at Gonzaga from deep and he showed the ability to pull back and shoot when defenders go under ball screens and he was arguably the best player on Gonzaga's roster this past season, uh, pulling up when defenders went under those ball screens. So that's a huge improvement um, from a couple seasons ago for Joel Yai. In terms of weaknesses, he's not the most explosive driver that you'll see. He can finish well enough at the rim, but he's not going to break a ton of guys down uh, with his ball handling abilities. He obviously lacks a little bit of power and some strength because he's very skinny still, but he tries to make up for that in other ways. But it's going to be interesting to see uh, kind of how he defends at that next level because he's a slightly above average on-ball defender, but I don't think he's quite there yet as an off-ball defender. Um, I think he got much better at that between his sophomore and junior years because his sophomore year, he struggled a lot with screens. Um, he lost vision a lot. He didn't have the sharpest closeouts. So my biggest concern for him comes on that end of the court defensively. I think he can be a good team defender, but there needs to be some improvement overall. I think on a whole, he needs to prove 
that he's elite at something in order to get playing time right away because he has a very well-rounded game, right? He's a good secondary scorer, doesn't turn the ball over. He's a great rebounder like we've seen, and he has the potential to be a solid defender. But there's a lot of those types of players already. So he's got to differentiate himself somehow in order to get rotation minutes. So I think if he shows that he's a consistent 40%, you know, 38 to 40% three-point shooter, and he rebounds the ball well, that could be enough right away to carve out a role. So the question is, where does he fall in the NBA draft? If you look at Sam Vecini's latest mock draft for the Athletic, he's going 44 to Brooklyn. Jonathan Gavoni over at ESPN has him going 37 to Detroit. Jeremy Wu at Sports Illustrated has him 35 to the Pelicans. And the draft prop that I've seen for him has an over-under of 31.5 overall. So basically everywhere has him, you know, early to mid-second round right now. And if you notice, what all those three teams have in common that I just said is a need for shooting. The Pelicans were bottom five in the league last year in three-pointers. The Pistons, bottom 10 in the league in three-pointers. And the Nets have a desperate need for young depth players because their only reliable shooter off the bench last year was Landry Shamit. Jeff Green, solid three-point shooter, but he's 35 years old and he's now a free agent, so I don't know if he's coming back. They need scoring off the bench, and a guy could certainly work out in Brooklyn. It's been very interesting how quiet Joel Ayayi's draft process has been. He skipped out on the combine, which is interesting because that typically means that he has some kind of guarantee. But Ayayi is one of those players in that, you know, early second, late first round who could typically benefit from the combine. So it's an interesting decision to see him skip out on that. There's been very, very, very few reports on teams that he's actually worked out with with the last, you know, two months or so. You were getting stuff with Corey Kispert you know, on a weekly basis, all the teams that he worked out for, but really nothing with Joel Yai. But the one team that I did see that he worked out for recently is the Pelicans. And I really, really do like that fit because Zion Williamson has become very, very ball dominant for them. And they need cutters and they need shooters to surround him. And Ayai can be that guy. And they have, the Pelicans do, a million draft picks in this draft. They pick at number 35, they pick at 40, and they pick at 43. They've got three picks early to mid-second round. So the Pelicans do seem like a very good fit for him. But I will say this, if there's a team that is going to take him in the first round, it's going to be the Denver Nuggets at 26. Will Barton is 31 years old, and he's at the end of his contract. P.J. Dozier can't shoot from deep. They need another reliable perimeter player coming off the bench for the next few seasons to play with Jokic and to play with Jamal Murray because those two guys have the ball in their hands pretty much the entire time. So they just need Joel Yai to do what Joel Yai does, which is to cut, find open spots, and he needs to shoot the ball well. And all of those things are stuff that kind of, you know, Yai excels at. So if you're looking for my two favorite landing spots, it's Denver at 26. And then the Pelicans with one of their, you know, many early second round picks. Like I said, they pick 35, they pick 40, and they pick 43. So there's a little recap of Joel Yai and the two spots that I think that he's going to land in all likelihood, and that's Denver and New Orleans. So we'll see where he lands on draft night. Tomorrow, we're talking about Corey Kispert. And then on Wednesday, we're going to do Philip Petrushev. And Thursday, we're doing Jalen Suggs leading into Thursday night's NBA draft. All of those episodes are kind of being in this same mold with an overview of their time at Gonzaga, their strengths, their weaknesses, and their possible fits in the NBA.
Okay, coming up to finish the show today, we start our Path to Playing Time series with Rashir Bolton. What does he need to do to have a successful season and play more minutes? We'll break it down here in just a minute. But first, today's episode is also being sponsored by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing with the second half underway. A huge series for best record in the National League coming up this week. Giants and Dodgers, a three-game series in San Francisco. It's the perfect time to get in on the fun, especially with football right around the corner. And you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NFL, and all of your UFC and MMA action. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to a championship. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code LOCKEDON. Okay, so we're starting a new series today, and it's called The Path to Playing Time. A listener to the show asked me after we did our player reviews in April to do a series on what each player needs to do to have a better season in the 21-22 year. So that's exactly what we're going to do. And you can kind of call this the start of our preseason content. So this will take up probably a month or so, and then we'll go into a little bit of scheduling stuff. Uh, And then we'll get into the real nitty gritty as we'll be just weeks away from the start of practice. So each day for the next month or so, we're going to choose one player from the men's or women's team. And we're going to talk about and discuss the best way for them to get more minutes or be more effective in the rotation. And today we're starting with one of the many newcomers in Rasheer Bolton. And I was going to choose Bolton before Sunday. And then he came out on Sunday and posted a picture of him in a Gonzaga jersey for the first time, and he is going to wear number 45. And the only other player to wear number 45 in the Mark Few era is Will Foster. And I'm just going to assume that Rasheer Bolton is going to be better and more effective than Will Foster. The more interesting part is what he said in his caption, which was one more ride number 45 or something like that. One More Ride seems to say that he's only going to play one season in Spokane. And that's interesting because the press release, when they signed him, said he's got two years of eligibility left. And I think a lot of people kind of assumed that he could be in Spokane for two seasons. But his wording on his tweet or in his Instagram, whatever, all of his social media, kind of made it seem like this would be his only season in a Gonzaga uniform, which is something that we should watch. So the question now is, what is his path to playing time in a successful year in that Gonzaga uniform. Here's what I think. Be reliable, be efficient. Simple as that. This is Rasheer Bolton's fourth year in college. He's an all-league performer in the Big 12. The dude knows how to play basketball, and he's coming into a roster full of young players. But he doesn't have to be the focal point of the offense anymore because that's what he was at Iowa State. That's what he was at Penn State. So his overall efficiency numbers should go up, and his turnovers should go down. I want to talk about the two things that he's always excelled at during his career and why those two things are going to translate well at Gonzaga, his transition game and his ability to draw fouls. The last two seasons at Iowa State, in transition, at the rim, Rasheer Bolton is 56 for 74. He's shooting 76% at the rim in transition. If you want a reference... Corey Kispert, the last two seasons, 64 for 92, just 70%, which is 6% lower. Joel Ayayi, 
78 for 103, 76%. So basically, Bolton is shooting the exact same as Joel Yai over the last two years at the rim, which is 76%, and that's better than Corey Kispert's numbers. He's really, really good in open space, and he's going to excel in transition at Gonzaga just like he did the last two years at Iowa State, who was not a huge up-and-down team, but Gonzaga obviously is. The other thing he does well is he draws contact, and he gets to the free throw line a bunch. In 2020, which was the last full regular season, I don't want to count last year because teams had, you know, X number of games less than other teams, and it was kind of the scheduling was all over the place. So 2020, when Rasheer Bolton was playing mostly off the ball because Tyrese Halliburton was the point guard on that team, he went to the line 138 times in 2020, and he shot 84% at the line. He knows how to draw fouls and he's very, very good free throw shooter once he gets there. Over the last 15 seasons, basically after Adam Morrison um, went to the NBA, so the last 15 years, only five Gonzaga perimeter players have attempted more than 138 free throw attempts in a season. Jeremy Pargo, Derek Rivio, Matt Bolden, Nigel Williams-Goss, Byron Wesley. Rashir Bolton shot 138 free throws in 2020. He knows how to get to the rim, and he knows how to draw contact. And when he gets to the rim, he's efficient at scoring it, or he's getting to the line. And that is what he's going to do at Gonzaga. Bolton's not a great three-point shooter. He's been low to mid-30s pretty much his entire career, but they don't need him to be a sharpshooter. They need him to play to his strengths, which are playing in open space and drawing contact. He's a natural off-guard but he has played point guard, and he's, he basically played point guard his entire junior year. But Gonzaga's already got two true point guards on the roster in Andrew Nemhard and Nolan Hickman, who are typically pass-first guys. So they can keep Bolton in that secondary ball handler role, which is what he played next to Tyrese Halliburton as a junior and racked up you know, good, uh, good scoring numbers and good numbers at the free throw line. They've got two big men, Gonzaga does, with unique skill sets already, Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren, who are going to demand a ton of attention. So what they need from Bolton is an electric slasher, both in transition and in the half court. And to me, it kind of feels like Rasheer Bolton has been kind of the forgotten man in this whole Gonzaga roster puzzle because of the massive freshman additions to this roster. And everybody's very, very excited about You know, Chet Holmgren and Hunter Salas, Nolan Hickman, et cetera, et cetera. Plus, they're really excited about the development of Julian Strother and Dominic Harris. But I don't think any of the new additions plus those two returners are more of a lock to start on opening night than Rasheer Bolton. I think Rasheer Bolton is locked next to Andrew Demhard on the starting guard line on opening night. He's averaged close to five rebounds a game last season as well, so he's a good rebounder. And he's pretty much the same size, maybe an inch shorter than Joel Yai. So if Bolton can replicate those rebounding numbers, create an open space on offense, I think he's the best candidate to match what Joel Yai did for Gonzaga and kind of replicate those numbers that are missing. He's reliable, he's mature, he's efficient at the rim, and he's electric in transition. That is Rasheer Bolton's path to playing time. And that is going to do it for today's show. We will be back tomorrow to recap Rui Hachimura and Ira Brown's Olympic Games. Then we're going to talk about Corey Kispert and his NBA draft prospects, just like we talked about Ayayi today. And then we're moving over to the women's side, and we're going to talk about Kaylin Trong's path to playing time. 
If you want more NBA mock draft coverage with a couple guest appearances from me, yours truly, listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 podcast presented by Locked On and Odyssey, featuring analysis from the GOAT of NBA mock drafts, Chad Ford, and Odyssey NBA experts, Brian Scalabrini, and former general manager, Ryan McDonough. It's the perfect way to get ready for the NBA draft. Our Locked On NBA local experts made selections and trades for their favorite basketball teams throughout this week-long special event. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is the audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to this podcast. Please, if you will, leave us a five-star rating. Follow me on Twitter at scargo. That's at S-K-A-R-R-G-0. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at LockedOnZags as well. If you want to email the show with any questions or ideas you have for me to talk about, feel free to do so. It's LockedOnZags at gmail.com. Everybody enjoy your Monday. We will see you back here tomorrow morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.